Well, good evening. <laughs> if I can get this right side up. It's good to see everybody that's here tonight. Glad to have those of you who are joining with us online. Uh, sorry we're just a few minutes late there getting online. Uh, but we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on YouTube. All of those different platforms. So be sure to look us up there. HBC Tullahoma on Facebook and Twitter. Highland Baptist Tullahoma on YouTube. And then we have our phone live streaming. So welcome to those of you who are listening on our phone live streaming. And we know uh, we can see on there uh, each service uh, who's watching, who's listening. Uh, some of those we can see the particular person, uh, especially on our phone live streaming. And so thank you for joining with us. And we'll be glad to share that number with anybody that uh, needs that. So uh, call us, uh, email us. We'll be glad to send that to you. Also, don't forget to go to our church website at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. It's under the info tab there. Uh, just a couple of tabs over. If you click the info tab, you can download the worship bulletin there. Uh, also, the children's worship bulletins for ages 7 and up, 3 and up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you can download those. Uh, if you need those in person, they're in the windowsill over here. So be sure to uh, pick those up, print them off uh, at home, or uh, email the links there to anybody that you need to. And then also, while you're under the info tab, be sure to download uh, tonight's prayer list. Uh, we'll be going over this tonight. So I want to encourage you uh, to get that downloaded or at least have it on your device. Uh, if you want to print it, it's good too. Uh, if you need it in person, they're down here on the front. If you didn't get one, we'll be glad to give you one. And then also, if you'll just go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. There, while you're on our website, you can do your online giving. Uh, you can do your regular budget offering there. You can also do the Golden Offering for Tennessee Mission. So I encourage you to do uh, either one or both of those uh, and help us uh, top off our goal there uh, of 5000 if you need these in person. Uh, there are a few pink envelopes left in the windowsills. Uh, the white envelopes should be in your pews, uh, as well as in the little holders uh, at the door. So be sure to pick up uh, those also. I think that's all that I have in the way of announcement announcements like that to welcome you. We'll share a few other things here in just a moment. But Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us in our hymn. Turn your hymnals to four, oh, excuse me, 342. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. 342. It's Pat. <laughs> Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide thyself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flow be of sin the double cure save from wrath and make me pure not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy lost demands these for sin could not atone thou must save and thou alone in my hand no price i bring simply to thy cross i cling while i draw this fleeting breath when mine eyes shall close in death when i rise to worlds unknown and behold thee on thy throne rock of ages cleft for me let me hide myself in thee thank you 
let me get switched over here to Facebook where I can follow along with you uh, to make sure that we see any of your prayer requests. If you uh, have any prayer requests you need to share with us, be sure to do that uh, on Facebook. Uh, that's where we'll see uh, any live requests uh, that you give to us. Uh, we'll see those there, so be sure uh, to go ahead and, and share any of those requests. Uh, let me just share with you a couple of other uh, quick announcements uh, here. Let me get my slide thing up where I'm supposed to be there. Um, on our, in our bulletin, so hopefully you got your bulletin there, uh, we've got several upcoming uh, events. Uh, number, number one, first and foremost, is this Sunday. Uh, we've got our uh, fifth Sunday dinner uh, that we're going to be doing right after the morning worship service. So I want to encourage you to come prepared uh, for that. Uh, you can just bring some fixings to go with ham and turkey. That's what we're going to be having for the meat. The church will be providing that. You just bring some fixings. You bring some desserts. And we'll have a good time of fellowship uh, right after the service Sunday morning. Sunday night, we're going to be having uh, right before our fifth Sunday sing we're going to be having that special called uh, business meeting uh, that'll be uh, taking care of, of looking at our leadership teams uh, and voting those individuals in on those different teams as well as the other issue that we'll be voting on is to add an increase to the budget for uh, the work that's going to be done on the parsonage uh, bathroom uh, the estimate came in a little bit higher and so we needed to come back to get uh, that approved from you so those are the only two things we'll be voting on in that and hopefully that won't take us too long right after that we'll start right in to our fifth Sunday sing so we may be a little bit late starting our broadcast that night uh, we won't do the business meeting part on the broadcast but we'll have the uh, the uh, music that'll start right after that we have a worship song that we'll be singing and then we'll lead uh, right into uh, the rest of everybody who's singing if you want to sing please let us know that uh, so we can get you on the schedule you can see myself or Mike uh, and, and let us know that and then Monday is uh, Halloween, we'll be having our trunk or treat event. Uh, we've got a lot of people who've signed up already. Uh, we did take the paper down off the board, but that doesn't mean that you can't still do a car if you haven't signed up to do a car. Uh, please let me know that tonight. We'll get you on the list. We just needed the list so we can get some things ready uh, for Sunday. We will need to have just a, a brief meeting Sunday with those uh, who are going to be working uh, with that just to kind of give you the idea of what we're going to be doing again this year. Uh, we've done some different things over the years, but we want to give you the kind of the layout and the plan so you'll know when you come on Monday where to go, what to do. Uh, so if you want to help with the food or any of that, uh, see Rick. He'll be glad to put you to work there. We need people helping with security. We need people helping with parking. Uh, all kinds of different things that you can help with. You can help in the kitchen just making hot chocolate uh, as well as those who will be transporting it down. Brother Johnny, <laughs> and so we know he'll be a part of that. So uh, do come, it's gonna be a wonderful time. Spread the word. It is on Facebook, so be sure to share that post. It's pinned to the top of our page. You'll, you'll see it if you go to our Facebook page. Be sure to share that to get the word out even more. It is an ad that's out there too that's reaching so many people. We've sent out postcards. Uh, there'll be some more going out to some schools uh, before the end of the week. And so just wanna remind you uh, of those things uh, that are upcoming here very quickly. And then this Thursday, if you're one of our prime timers, looking forward to the prime timers trip. Uh, so what time do we leave? 10 o'clock, so if you're planning to go to that, uh, be here no later than 10, because we'll be pulling out of the parking lot to head uh, over towards Dunlap, so uh, come and join us uh, for that. 
hopefully you have that prayer list downloaded now and hopefully in person you have yours in hand. Uh, let me just go over a few uh, of the announcements here that are on your prayer list and then share with you uh, some that we've received since we uh, printed this. Uh, do want to remember uh, Jack Dowd, there's several on our, on our HBC family prayer list there. And if you have any updates of anybody, please stop me, we'll, uh, raise your hand, uh, I'll call on you and we'll give that update. If you have an update online, share that on Facebook and we'll see that live. Otherwise, you can call us, send us an email. We'll be glad to update that on the prayer list. But do remember Jack Doubt, he is having some back issues, gonna have to have uh, a shot soon in that and maybe a procedure with that. So uh, he doesn't know when that's scheduled yet. They've not got that scheduled yet, but he knows that's coming. So remember him uh, in your prayers. Donna Jackson had some surgery on her sinuses and so she's recovering from that. So keep her uh, in your prayers. I think everything went well with that. And then the other one that I wanna mention uh, that is uh, on the uh, in nursing home and assisted living is Rita Fulcher. She is in life care of Tullahoma, but they have brought in hospice and uh, it's only a matter of time for her. So just keep her uh, in your prayers and the family there also. And then remember on the friends and family side, uh, Robert Sims who has cancer, remember him, but his wife passed away. And so we wanna remember his family uh, in the passing of Sandy. Uh, Sims, who is right below that. And then also remember Virginia Craig Griffin, uh, this was Andrew's ex-wife, she's gonna be having a tumor removed on the 31st, and so keep her uh, in your prayers. And then Roger sent me this as a prayer request um, this afternoon, uh, Ken Agcock, uh, who used to come here, him and his wife, uh, Dewana, they asked, they're asking for prayer for her uh, on the prayer list. She's gonna be going through some very difficult medical times in the coming months. So we wanna remember uh, Donna, uh, Adcock in your prayers, Donna and Ken uh, in your prayers. Any other updates or any other requests here that we have? I'm checking Facebook there to see if we have any requests, so be sure to comment there. I think those are the latest updates that we have. Uh, we did have one other thing I'll mention, Susie Barton, we had had her moved on last week's list over to Morning Point. That didn't work out when they did try to take her there. Uh, Eddie told me Sunday they're working on trying to get her back to home and having a caregiver who will stay with her uh, at home. And so be in prayer that things will work out there. But right now she is still at NHC. Uh, so keep Miss Susie Barton in your prayers. All right, I don't see any on Facebook there. I don't see any more here. So let's just go to the Lord uh, in prayer and then we'll get right into our study of the book of Revelation tonight. Heavenly Father, we just wanna thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy and your loving kindness. Thank you for always being with us even when we don't always see what you're doing. And Father, I just pray tonight that no matter where we are, whether we're here in person or whether we're watching online, uh, make us very keenly aware of your presence with us uh, because, Father, as we know that we come into your presence as a holy and a righteous God, we also recognize our sinfulness. And so, Father, I pray that you would forgive us of our sin, that you would cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. And, Lord, restore us to a right relationship with you. Wash us with the precious blood 
of Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray that as you forgive us and cast our sins as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered anymore as you forgive us, help us, Lord, to forgive uh, and to receive that forgiveness ourselves uh, from you. And Lord, that we would live in the truth of that forgiveness. So thank you so much, God, for what you do to us. We, want, we don't want anything to hinder our prayers with you tonight. And so we, we know that your word tells us if we regard or hold on to any iniquity or any sin in our hearts, you will not hear from heaven. So help us, Lord, to confess those things that we might have powerful, effectual, fervent prayers uh, even tonight. Father, there are many that are on our hearts that are on this prayer list, and, and Lord, we continually uplift those. We thank you, Lord, for the many mighty works that you are doing and have done in people's lives, some, uh, Lord, that we've been able to remove from the list uh, because they've gotten better. Your hand has been at work in their lives, and we just give you the glory and the honor and testify of your greatness and ask, Lord, that you would use uh, those healings to be a witness and a testimony uh, to those who are lost uh, around those individuals. Father, even those who are on this prayer list that we're praying for who may not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that through these times, Lord, that you will draw them to you and that they would trust by faith in Christ, bring people across their path to share the gospel, use us in whatever way that you would to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And Father, we just pray especially for those who have lost loved ones and, and ask, Lord, for you to embrace them in your love, to comfort them, to encourage them, to let them know that you are with them. And Father, give them the strength that they need in the days ahead. And Father, there are many who have lost loved ones who are, who are still, Lord, dealing with the grief of the loss of that loved one. Lord, we just pray that you will help them to find peace and solitude in your presence. Father, I pray that they will, they will spend time with you and your word more and more each day, uh, more time in prayer, knowing that as they do that, you will fill their hearts more and more with your presence, and you are perfect love, and perfect love casts out all fear uh, and, and removes that, that grief and, and maybe even anger or resentment that they have in their hearts. And Father, I just pray that you will help those individuals as they're walking still some through the valley of the shadow of death uh, that, that may have happened some time ago. We pray, God, that you will just help them, Lord, uh, to walk with them moment by moment, day by day, to see them through uh, to the other side and experiencing joy in your presence. Father, we pray especially, Lord, so often we forget to pray for those who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, whether that's our neighbors or whether that's a family member or whether that's a co-worker or just someone we know in the community. Father, I pray that you will burden our hearts more than ever before, not just in general for the lost. We pray that you would do that. But we pray, Lord, that you would burden our hearts specifically for individuals. Uh, lay upon our hearts, Lord, those specific names. Maybe even as you help us to recall those individuals by name in our hearts right now. And we lift those names up to you, Lord. We ask for you to divinely intervene in their lives, to, to make your power known to them, to show your glory and your majesty, to show yourself uh, and your praise, to your, your, your majesty to them. So, Lord, we pray that through that, uh, you will use that as a witness and testimony to bring them to faith in Christ. And Lord, use us to, to be bold and to be encouraged, to share with them, to just have conversations with them, uh, looking for those gospel conversations, to be able to share with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you will bless our church uh, in the days ahead, especially in the remainder of this year as we seek to keep pressing forward to the goals that you have laid before us. And we just want to bring glory and honor to your name. 
name. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. We ask, Lord, your hand upon each and every one of these individuals uh, for healing, uh, for strength, Lord. But we pray, Lord, ultimately for eternal life for those who don't know Christ and for those who already know Christ. Use it as a testimony in their lives. So bless us tonight as we come to study your word in the book of Revelation. As we continue to see here in chapter 20 uh, the, the scenes that have happened after the judgments have been poured out, we come, Lord, tonight to that final judgment, the great white throne judgment. Help us to understand it uh, from your scripture and to understand it clearly that it will give us confidence in our hearts uh, to live more faithfully for you and for those who don't know you. May it be a warning to them tonight to get things settled before it's too late. So bless your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. <clears throat> and I've entitled tonight's message, The Great White Throne, uh, and, and it's about the Great White Throne Judgment. Uh, the last person, as we come to this passage, the last person who will ever die has died. The last person who will ever have been raised from the dead has been raised. And now comes the final fulfillment of God's judgment. So if you're looking at your prophecy charts, we are way past the first section uh, of the letters to the seven churches and then the seven seals. Uh, then you had the seven trumpets. You had the interlude between there that took a step back to look at the bigger picture of things. And then the seven bowls that came. Uh, we've seen the thousand year reign uh, of Jesus Christ. And so after that thousand year reign, we saw last week in the first half of chapter 20 that there's another battle that happens just about like the battle of Armageddon where it's just a word that's spoken uh, from Jesus and, and judgment comes and, and they're wiped out. Uh, the enemies are wiped out and Satan uh, is, is fixing to be or has been uh, cast into uh, the lake of fire uh, as well as there with the beast and the false prophet who were thrown in earlier. And so we come to that middle section of the last section of your charts, the great white throne judgment. And then we'll see uh, the new heaven and the new earth next time in chapter 21. And so we want to start with verse 11 and verse uh, here to begin with. And so let's just begin here with verse 11 of chapter 20. Uh, it's just a few verses that we're going to look at tonight, but it's a lot of packed information. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And so, as I've said already, all the dead have died. All those who are going to be raised have been raised. This is the final fulfillment uh, of one of the most solemn statements in all of the Bible that's found in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 that says this, And just as it is appointed for man uh, to die once, and after that comes the judgment. And so every person who's ever lived without Jesus, every person who's ever died without Jesus, now stands before uh, this throne, this great white throne. So be careful here, though, to understand that this is the judgment of the sinner. This is the judgment of the sinner, not the judgment of the saint. We're going to see that later. 
Uh, this is the judgment of the lost people, not the judgment of the Lord's people. So as a child of God, we're never going to have to stand before that great white throne judgment itself. Now, the only thing that I could see here that you could even picture that in some way is, is the way Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats that will be divided. There could be that dividing at this point that the sheep are set off over here and, and your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life that we'll look at here in just a moment. And so you're set off here and he's going to deal with you later. But here he's going to deal with the goats. Here he's going to deal with those who are lost. And so this is the judgment of the lost people, not the judgment of the Lord's people. And so as, child, as a child of God, we don't have to stand before this throne uh, of judgment. Uh, and the reason why is because we settled our case out of court. Uh, we have, as the Bible tells us uh, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so he has already pleaded our case at Calvary. Uh, God has looked at us through the blood of his son and said already, when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's already said, not guilty, case dismissed because of what Christ did. Not because of anything you did, because if it was because of anything you did, you'd still be condemned. But it's because of what Christ did. I heard, a, I heard about a, jur a jury trial uh, that had gone on for several days and the jury had been sequestered trying to reach a verdict and finally they were called back in by the judge who said to them, he, he said, ladies and gentlemen, no verdict is necessary. The case has been dismissed because the defendant has died. When we die to sin, we die to judgment. When we gave our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, we died to sin and we were made alive unto God and will reign with him forever and ever. That's why the scripture says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now that would be a false statement if when we finally got to this point in the scripture, now you're going to be condemned or you're going to be judged because of that. He says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, you're not guilty. Case dismissed. And so uh, there's no condemnation. But for the sinner, God still has some unfinished business. Romans 6 23 tells us for the wages of sin is death. Why? Because the sinner has a payday that has arrived. And the judge has been seated, the court has been convened, the roll call of the doomed has begun, and in this passage we're given a future glimpse of that last trial that will ever take place in the court of no appeal. So the first thing I want you to see from this passage is this tonight. The fearful face of the judge. You see that in verse 11. So let's read that again in verse 11. Then I saw the great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. So what an awesome picture that we see here. It, literally what a frightening scene because the very appearance of this judge causes the heavens and... <coughs> 
and the earth to flee uh, like they're looking for a place to hide. Uh, the sun's too frightened to shine. The, the moon's too afraid to glow. The stars are too scared to twinkle. An entire universe scatters from his presence. So what is it about this judge that strikes such fear and dread even to the very core of the universe that the heavens and the earth uh, try to hide from his presence? Well, one of the reasons is because of his powerful authority. Notice his powerful authority. This judge is seated where? On a throne. When you see the judge on the throne, you ever walk into a courtroom, if you ever had to go into Brother Jerry's courtroom, uh, that's an awesome experience to go into. I've known of some individuals. In fact, I was uh, talking to an individual this last week uh, who was telling me that, that he had opportunity uh, to, to be in Judge Ledsinger's uh, court. Uh, and he was just sitting there for, for someone who was there, that he was there for a, a trial that was going to be happening to support that individual. And, and they came to a break, and, and, and Judge Jerry dismissed. And, and he said, one thing, though, he said, so-and-so, he called the pastor's name. He said, I want to see you in my chambers. <laughs> he goes back to his chambers, and Brother Jerry just wanted to talk to him. How are things going? You know, but you, you hear those words, I want to see you in my chambers. That's fearful. When the judge is seated on the throne, that's a fearful thing. And so what an awesome picture here that we see his powerful authority. In the scriptures, the throne is a symbol of authority. And normally a throne is reserved for a king, but the king here is the judge and the judge is the king. The judge is seated on a great throne. He's seated on a great throne. And so two reasons why this throne is called great. First is because these sinners have neglected, as Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3 says, they have neglected such a great salvation. It says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard. These are those who have neglected a great, such a great salvation. That's one of the reasons this throne is called great. But secondly, they're judged by a great God. His judgment is final. This is really a court that has no appeal. This is the, the Supreme Court of Supreme Courts. Uh, the verdict that he renders is, will be uncontested, unchallenged, and undenied. So we see his powerful authority. Secondly, we see his perfect integrity his perfect integrity. He is seated on a great white throne. Uh, that's what you see there uh, in the beginning of verse 11 there. White in the scripture symbolizes purity. And so that tells us that he is an impeccable and impartial judge. He cannot be bought. He cannot be bribed. Uh, he, he is perfect in every way. His judgments are always correct. His verdicts are righteous and true. So listen to how the judge is described in Psalm 9 and verse 7 and verse 8. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice. And he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. 
And so in those two verses, we see his integrity there, uh, that he is perfect, he is righteous, and he judges with uprightness. Then we also see, thirdly, uh, his personal identity. Who is this judge that is so awesome, this judge that is so dreadful and so mighty and so fearful? It may surprise you to learn that this judge is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Did you know that so often uh, we talk about standing before God at the judgment? And in, and in one sense we will because Jesus is God. But we won't be standing before God the Father. We'll be standing before God the Son. Uh, in fact, when you see in John chapter 5 and verse 22, it says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. So it's the son that we're going to be standing before. The one who, if you're lost, as is in the case of this judgment seat here, uh, he's the one that you've rejected. And so just think about it. The same Jesus that we love to sing about, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That same Jesus of whom we sing, gentle Jesus, holy child, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. That very same Jesus who wants to be the savior of the world is going to be the judge. Of the world and one day every person who has ever lived on the face of this earth is going to meet Jesus now you may meet him at the cross or you may meet him in the courtroom you may meet him as the Lamb of God or you may meet him as the lion of the tribe of Judah you may meet him as the Redeemer or you may meet him as the Revenger uh, you can determine though uh, how you're going to meet Jesus and in a limited fashion, you can determine when you're going to meet Jesus, if you're willing to meet him today. But you cannot determine whether or not you're going to meet Jesus because every single one of us are one day going to meet Jesus. You think about the atheist. The atheist is going to meet Jesus. The humanist is going to meet Jesus. Uh, the materialist is going to meet Jesus. Uh, all those who are part of communism and all kind of ungodly uh, world uh, political leaders is going to meet Jesus. The scoffer, the scorner, the skeptic, all of them are going to meet Jesus. Everyone is going to recognize instantly this one who sits on the throne. Uh, they'll recognize those, those nail prints in his hands. Uh, they'll see the scars uh, of Calvary in his feet. They'll recognize the wound in his side. They'll recognize the, the imprint of the crown of thorns uh, on his head. Every defendant has a right to see his accuser, and these defendants are going to see theirs. But then it's going to be too late. There was a story about a woman who had gotten into some serious trouble and she needed a lawyer, but she wasn't too worried because she knew of a very competent attorney who was an expert at handling her particular legal problems. And, and so she knew she could win the case for, he could win the case for her. And so she kept putting off going to see him. And then one day she got a summons that it was time for her trial to begin. So she rushed to his office only to find that he wasn't a lawyer anymore. He had become a judge. He said, I'm so sorry, lady. He said, had you come to me sooner, I would have been your defense, but now I'm here to be your judge. One day, you're going to meet Jesus Christ, either as your Savior or as your judge. I mean, think about the people. Think about those who, who only show up at church during Easter. They come once a year uh, to celebrate or even Christmas. They dress up in, in their new outfits, their, their new dresses, their new suits. Their, and many of them don't even know 
Jesus as Lord and Savior. They're not saved. And they, want, they just want to get in on the festivity. They just want to get in on the celebration. Did you know that Easter is not only the celebration of the resurrection, it's also the guarantee of the judgment? Here's what the Bible says in Acts in chapter 17 and verse 31. Acts 17 verse 31 says, Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Just looking at that first part there though in verse 31, how do we know that one day God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to judge this world? That's what the remainder says there. Of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. He has given the assurance of this uh, that, that he is going to be the one who is going to judge. You see, Easter not only guarantees us that our Savior Jesus is risen, but it also guarantees us that one day he's going to be the righteous judge. You have a date with deity. You're going to meet Jesus. And you can either meet him here and now as Savior, or you can meet him there and then as judge. But you will meet him. The second thing that we see overall in these verses, in verse 12 and verse 13, is not only the fearful face of the judge, but the fearful fate of the judged. We see that in verse 12 and verse 13. We move from the judge to the defendant. So notice who the defendants are and how the defendants are judged. We see first their standing for judgment. They're standing for judgment. Why they could even be judged to start with. You see that in the beginning of verse 12. So look at verse 12 if you will. He says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. So who's standing before the throne? The dead are. The dead in particular that he's talking about here are the lost sinners. And he says they are the great and the small. So it doesn't matter who you are on the spectrum of, uh, of the socioeconomic uh, of economics of life, uh, the great and the small are standing there. So these dead are the rest of the dead that you read back in chapter 20 and verse 5 that says the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. And so this is uh, what we're seeing here, these who are standing uh, for their judgment in verse 12. Uh, the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. These are the rest of the dead from verse 5 who missed the first resurrection. In other words, these are all of the unsaved of all the ages. Both the small and the great stand before God. Uh, both the, the big bank robber and the little petty thief. Both the mass murderer that everybody knew about and the hit and run driver who no one knew about. All of them are going to stand before Jesus. So keep in mind that for these defendants, the verdict has already been passed. They're simply just there awaiting their sentence. You see, the lost person doesn't come to the judgment seat of God to see whether or not they're going to be condemned. They've already been condemned. They've come to the judgment seat of God already having been condemned. In fact, look at John and chapter 3 and verse 18 that says this, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. So that's those who've trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're not condemned. We've already read other verses about that. But whoever does not believe him is condemned, not at the judgment, what's he say? Already. 
That's now in the present. Those who refuse to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are condemned already. You, before you came to Christ, were condemned already until you trusted in the one who had paid the price for your sin, and then you were not condemned because you received Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so the judgment isn't to determine whether or not these dead are going to hell because that's already been settled. That's already been sealed by every sinner on earth and finalized at their death when they refused to, to receive Jesus. They rejected him all their life. The purpose of this judgment is simply to determine the various degrees uh, of that punishment. So look at the rest of verse 12. He says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open, plural, books. We always think of the book of life that's open, but there are books that are opened at this judgment. Uh, then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And so there's a book, which is the book of life, and then there are books. And so let's get into that. There are several classes of people who are going to be there. Uh, first of all, the rebellious will be there. The out-and-out -out sinner, the blatant rejecter of Christ will be there. The, the Thomas Paines, the Madeline Murray O'Hara's, the, the Richard Dawkins, those who mocked Jesus, those who rejected Jesus, those who ignored the Holy Spirit, they're all going to be there. Furthermore, the righteous will be there. And you say, wait a second, preacher, what are you talking about there? What we mean there is the self-righteous, those whose religion could be described as, well, I did my best. They're good citizens, they're good fathers, they're good mothers, they're good neighbors, they're morally clean, they're socially correct, they're economically faultless, but they died realizing too late that their righteousness the Bible says was as filthy rags, that no matter how much good they could have done, no matter how much righteousness they could have in their life, it was all, the Bible says, as filthy rags before a righteous and a holy God. There's an old Jewish proverb that said, if I could buy you for what you're worth and sell you for what you think you're worth, I'd be a rich man. There's a lot of truth in that proverb because to ourselves, we look pretty good. Because we always tend to want to compare ourselves to somebody else. Well, at least we're just like the Pharisee who says, well, at least I'm not like him. At least I'm not like her. And we, we look good to ourselves. We excuse our own faults. We defend our, our weaknesses. But, but it'll all be to no avail when you come before the great white throne. The religious are also going to be there. Now, it may surprise you to learn that there's going to be church people, church members even, who will be there. Those who counted on ritual rather than redemption, rather than a relationship. You see, the question in that day is not going to be, was your name on the church roll? The question in that day is going to be, is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? So understand that all the religion and all the religions of this world won't do you any good before that great white throne. Your only hope then and your only hope now is Jesus. But then also notice the standard of judgment. The standard of judgment. You see this again in verse 12 and then down through verse 13. So let's read those verses. Verse 12 again and then verse 13. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books 
according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the death, uh, the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. So all the evidence that God has against you is in the books. God's keeping a book on you. Every thought, every word, every deed is being recorded. A pen of iron in letters of flame. Every thought that's passed through your mind. Every word that has crossed your lips. Every deed that has passed through your hands is being recorded in God's book, uh, books of judgment. Uh, a newspaper once had this for their, their motto. If you don't want it printed, don't let it happen. You know, if you, don't want it, if you don't want that thought written in God's book, then don't think it. If you don't want that word written in God's book, then don't say it. If you don't want that deed printed in God's book, then don't do it. In that day, skeletons are going to come dancing out of the closet. Secrets are going to come leaping from all kinds of hidden places. What was whispered in the closets is going to be shouted from the housetops. Don't believe that? Here's what Jesus said in Luke in chapter 12 and verse 2. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 2, he says, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Think about that for just a moment. Do you want all those words that you've said shouted from the housetops? I dare say a lot of us, even as believers, wouldn't, wouldn't want that. But we've been given fair warning. Because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 14, it says, For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Dr. Wilbur Penfield, who was the director of the Montreal Neurological Institute, one day said in a report to the Smithsonian Institute, he said, your brain contains a permanent record of your past that is like a single continuous strip of moving film, complete with even soundtrack. He said, the film library records your, your whole waking life from childhood on, and you can live again those scenes from your past one at a time when a surgeon places a gentle electrical current and applies it to a certain point on the temporal cortex of your brain. And, and as you relive those scenes from your past, he said, you'll feel exactly the same emotions you did during the original experience. They did this under tests here. And so just think about it. If our brain contains that kind of information, how much more information does God's books contain? Every person is going to be confronted with this irrefutable, incontrovertible record at the judgment seat of God. But after this evidence is presented, just in case that isn't enough, I believe Jesus is going to part the curtain of time and he's going to take every sinner back 2,000 years ago to show them exhibit A. He's going to take every person back to an old rugged cross where, where they'll see on a, 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 bleeding, the, on a bleeding body uh, of a carpenter from Nazareth that he'll focus in on. Every drop of blood that pours out from that broken body will be the evidence against a sinner. Every wound in that body of that Lord, crucified Lord will be evidence against the sinner. 
Every groan from, from the, the lips of the Lamb of God will be evidence against the sinner. Every cut caused by that crown of thorns will be evidence against the sinner. Every stripe that was laid upon his back will be that evidence against the sinner. Because when God throws the book at you, there's no debate. There's no discussion. There's no defense. You can't say, well, but judge, but judge, let me explain something. No, there's no, no excuses, no explaining. You'll be judged by your works. You see, understand this. We're never saved by works. We're only judged by works. You're saved by grace, and you're judged by works. Now, you may think that your works uh, will stand you in a good place before the judgment seat of God, but if you don't know Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you're going to discover that the greatest defense is, is indeed your most incriminating and condemning evidence. Because here's what Galatians 2 verse 16 says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law... No one will be justified. You depend on your works to get you to heaven, it's only going to get you condemnation because our works will never justify us before God. Only that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But then notice finally the fearful force of this judgment. The fearful force of this judgment in verse 14 and verse 15. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. <clears throat> then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Now we referenced this last week to talk about what was the first death, what was the second death. If you don't remember that, I encourage you to go back to last week's message on the first half of chapter 20. But death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he or she was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, you may be one who responds by saying, well, preacher, that's just a scare tactic. You're just trying to frighten me to coming uh, to God. A loving God would never judge people this way. Let me tell you this. If that's your attitude, that's exactly how we know that you're lost. Because the scripture says this in Psalm chapter 10 and verse 13. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? So if you don't believe it's going to be called to account, if you're saying hey, he's not going to be calling this uh, to account, uh, a loving God would never judge his people that way. That's evidence of, of the wickedness in your heart because the wicked renounce God and say in their hearts, you will not call to account. The trial's over. The verdict given at death has been confirmed for all eternity. Now the sentence has been passed which is etern the, the eternal death penalty. And that's what we're reading about there in verse 14 and verse 15. So the judgment at the great white throne is going to be unlike any ever seen in a modern courtroom. Because you see at this trial, there will be a judge, but there's not going to be any jury. There's going to be a prosecution, but no defense. There's going to be a sentence, but no appeal. And so if you happen to be one of those who, who wind up in this courtroom, let me warn you now that the last face you'll ever see is Jesus Christ, the judge. For the believer, the sight of the face of, of, the face of Jesus will be the beginning of heaven 
But for the unbeliever, it'll be the beginning of hell. His voice will be the last one ringing in your ears, uttering those last words that you'll ever hear. Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Understand this, God has offered us every opportunity. He has offered you every choice you could possibly have. You can either have a free pardon or a fair trial. You can have the mercy of God now, or you can have the justice of God later. You might say to yourself, I don't want the mercy of God. All I want is justice. Well, if it's justice you want, it's justice that you'll get. But let me warn you, when you get what you want, you won't want what you get. There's a story of some men who were out on a prairie, and this prairie fire came up. The winds began whipping and the flames began to spread furiously towards these men and they began to realize that they couldn't possibly outrun the flames. And these flames were moving closer and closer. They were getting faster and faster and one man screamed out to the others, we're all going to die. But another man said, I've got a plan. He reached into his pocket and he took out a packet of matches and he struck a match and he, he started a fire at their very feet. The fire was burning this way and the other fire was coming that way. And one of the men in the group said, you fool, now we're surrounded by fire. We're surely going to die. And the man who struck the match said, wait just a minute. I know what I'm doing. He waited a moment and then he said, do this. I want you to step over here into this part that's already been burned. The, the raging fire is coming this way, but I just lit the match here and burned this section. Step over into this section. And if you step over into, into this place uh, here, into this burned off place, he said, now we're all safe. One of the men said, why do you say that? He said this, because the fire can't come where the fire has already been. The fire can't come where the fire has already been. Let me tell you this, one way or the other, the fire of God's judgment is going to fall. It fell once 2,000 years ago at a place called Calvary. When the judgment of God comes to sweep men and women into hell for eternity, there's only one spot that's safe. It's at a burned off spot called Calvary. And if you'll come to that cross and you accept Jesus as your Savior, You'll never have to come to this court we've read about and meet Jesus as the judge. That may not say a lot to you as a believer. It may encourage you as a believer, but let me encourage you with this as a believer. We've only got a limited time left, and we've been saying this over and over as we've been going through the book of Revelation. You've got a limited time left on the face of this earth. Your life could go just like that. We see it happen every day. Young, old, in between, people's lives are gone just like a vapor. You have a limited time left. But we know from the scriptures that one day the trumpet is going to sound. And Jesus is going to come. And one day it's going to be too late when those who don't know Christ as Lord and Savior are going to have to stand before that great white throne of judgment. Then it's going to be too late for us as believers to share anymore with anybody else about Jesus. We have a limited time. A limited time till the trumpet sounds and a limited time till you draw your last dying breath. So as a believer, 
Be encouraged. Be motivated. Seek and, and develop that passion within your hearts as you fall more in love with Jesus that you want to take as many people with you to heaven as you possibly can so that they don't have to face this judgment. That begins by you just having those gospel conversations with people, talking with them about Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for uh, loving us so much that you sent your son Jesus uh, to die on the cross for us. We thank you for making a way where there seemed to be no way. Father, thank you so much for all that you have done for us. And we ask, Heavenly Father, tonight that as we have seen from this passage that this judgment is a judgment of those who are lost. Lord, none of us want to stand before this judgment. So the only way for us not to be at this judgment of the great white throne judgment is for us to know Jesus Christ who paid the price for our sin, to receive him as our Lord and our Savior, to receive that free gift of salvation where he has already taken the judgment upon himself that we deserved. So Father, I pray that if there's any here, any watching online who don't know Christ as their Lord and their Savior, may they heed this warning before it's too late to trust in Jesus, to give their heart and their life to him. To say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. To believe in what Jesus did for them, that he died in their place on the cross. To say, dear God, I, I believe Jesus died on that cross. I believe he was buried in the tomb. I believe he arose on the third day. I want to be saved. Jesus, I repent of my sin and I turn away from it and I turn to follow you. Come into my life and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, I pray that if someone has prayed that in their heart tonight, whether here or online, Lord, I pray that they will know without a shadow of a doubt that if today were today to be their last day, they would be in your presence for eternity forevermore in heaven. Father, I pray for us as believers, Lord, may we sense and feel the urgency tonight of the opportunities that are still there before us. Lord, if you were done with any of us, no matter how old we are or how young we may be, Lord, if you were done with any of us, you would have already called us to be home with you already. But you're not done with us. You have a, a purpose for us because we're still here on this earth. And so, Father, I pray that in the time that we have remaining until we draw our last breath or in the time that we have until the trumpet sounds, that, Lord, we'll make the most of every opportunity we have to, to just talk with people. Lord, many of us just love talking with people. Talk to them about their families. And as we talk to them about their families, to talk to them then about the greatest family they can be a part of, the family of God, by trusting in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Help us to make the most of every opportunity you bring before our path. And Father, I pray that as we come back again next week to study in the book of Revelation, Lord, I pray that our hearts will be on fire for you. Lord, that we'll be able to testify even of what you're doing in our hearts because of a new passion and a new fire in our soul to share with those we know around us who don't know Jesus before it's too late. So, Father, thank you for this passage tonight. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness. And we just ask, Heavenly Father, for your will to be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.
Well, thank you so much for joining us there online. We will be back Sunday uh, morning uh, for our regular service. We'll be here for Sunday school at 915, so come out and join us if you can. Uh, 1030 for worship, and then again next Sunday night, we'll have that special uh, called business meeting right before our fifth Sunday sing. So if you can't come out uh, to join us for the fifth Sunday sing, watch us online. You'll get to be a part of that. Also, if you want to sing, be sure to let us know. But you have a blessed week. Stay safe, and we'll see you this coming Sunday.